This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler, Ryan Shumpert, and Jack Foster. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast here to kick off week three of the college football season. Today is Thursday, September the 14th. My name is Rick Butler, and of course, back in the studio with my two guys right here to my right, that is the one, the only, Ryan Shumpert. And, of course, we got Jack Foster right across the table right there. Hey, we are back in a great studio. Thanks again for having us, WTK. But, Ryan, you and I are leaving for Florida tomorrow. There's big things on the horizon. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Doing well. Glad to be back talking a little bit of ball. And on a, uh, we're going to be heading south where it's warmer. But, man, it, it really feels like football weather outside today. It's Golly, First day, right? Like, this is the first day I'm in. Like, man, I could use a windbreaker today. I'll tell you what. I, I, I To... Pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, we got done with our Josh Heupel press conference around, what, 1130 or so. We're recording right here around 1245 or so. I walked all the way across campus just to grab some lunch in between. Didn't even break a sweat. I had a backpack on and everything. <laughs> so it, it, that was uh, that was a nice little surprise today. I'm happy to not be sweaty here in this studio. Yeah, I, um, I actually, just because of the weather today, I'm like, I'm going to get my first hot coffee of the season, right? Like, I'm going to not okay. get my iced coffee that I normally get. And so I went to go get a pumpkin spice latte. It's like 9.30 a.m. in Starbucks. And they, had, they didn't have any pumpkin spice. Sad. What are we doing? No pumpkin spice, They huh? ran out. So I had to go back to my iced coffee, and I was cold in the library. But <laughs> As a non-coffee drinker, I, I thought that was an October thing, no? Yeah, but, like, you know, they jumped the gun a little bit here in September. They know people are excited about it. Yeah, it's yeah, like their best enough. drink. So, come on. Fair enough. Ryan, you know what else people are excited for? Are What's they? That? Are they this game? You yeah, think people I'd are pretty people darn excited, are excited for this? I don't know if pretty darn excited, but I think people are normally excited Okay, with some angst mixed in there. Let me ask you a question real quick, and this is totally off topic. We haven't talked about this at all, but but do you, and I only asked this because somebody else asked me earlier this week, and I kind of flip-flopped on my answer a couple times. Do you think that Aust- the performance against Austin P is going to impact how many Tennessee fans travel to Gainesville? S- almost similarly... To how the win over Pittsburgh, in my opinion, maybe fueled some people to going to Baton Rouge last year. Now, obviously, Baton Rouge, maybe more of a marquee destination, maybe some place that Tennessee fans don't get to travel too often. But I do feel like that Pittsburgh win helped kind of fuel the fire to get a lot of Tennessee fans there. Do you think that the that the shaky win against Austin P is going to have any impact on the Tennessee fans' attendance? No, I don't think so. And I don't really think the Pittsburgh to not just completely. Okay, okay. I mean, the Florida win might yeah, have. Yeah, I was about to say, it wasn't LSU after Florida. So. Yeah, it was the bi- oh. Florida, then bye week, then LSU. But LSU, it was okay, like. Okay, well, then, then fair enough. Even then, like, maybe a little bit. But this is, this is like trips to Gainesville. In Baton Rouge, or nine hour, nine hour drives here, eight hour, nine, ten hour drives, however long they are. Obviously, you can do that on a whim, but these were, you know, trips I think people have had planned for a while. You know, Tennessee hadn't played at Baton Rouge since 2010, so it had been 12 years last year when they went down there, and Tennessee obviously expected to have a good team. LSU was expected to be a little bit vulnerable in Brian Kelly's first season, so I think you had a lot of people go for that reason. And I think uh, similarly, in a lot of ways, a lot of Tennessee fans, uh, we're fired up going into the season. Obviously, happy with where the program's at. Florida as vulnerable as they've been in a while. So I think you'll have a lot of people there because of that. Maybe some people who were on defense last week discouraged them, but I don't think it's going to be a ton or anything like that. Yeah, that's that's what that's what I was thinking as well, and that's a good call. It, it was maybe maybe not the Pittsburgh, but maybe it was the Florida win that that kind of 
Well, like you said, it was all uh, a marquee destination anyways. Ryan, we are certainly going to uh, to talk a little bit about the game coming up this weekend. We're going to get thoughts from around the table. Just again, number 11, Tennessee, taking on Florida in the swamp. But before we get there, a little bit of injury. Uh, uh, an injury status update today that is not always common on a Thursday morning with Josh Heupel. Walk me through what we kind of heard about Cooper Mays today. Cooper Mays is going to make the trip to Florida, and Josh Heupel anticipates him being available to play. There you go. That's the update. And there's a different meaning for anticipate and expect, right, Ryan? There is, yes. Oh, well, walk me through it. <laughs> well, I tweeted out originally that he expects to expects oh, to play. Oh, okay, okay. And then once I – I wasn't confident that expects was the verb. I probably should have just held up, up on it. Uh, but then when I saw his anticipates, I went ahead and uh, tweeted out a, a correction, but – I think he'll play. Yeah, yeah, I, I do too. Based I on what we heard, I anticipate he'll play. You, you anticipated. <laughs> I, I do as well. Um, I, I mean, we're past the timetable, the original timetable they thought, yeah. right? I feel like the, at least the original timetable that they that told we us. heard exactly. But and, they, and know, I feel like they the, lie. The whole thing was have Cooper Mays ready for Gainesville. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole. Thought. Yeah, and and I didn't I didn't look for it last week, but we were told that that Cooper Mays did go through some of the warm ups. That it was an early week decision that he was not going to play in that game. I think for obvious reasons. But we heard that he maybe did go through warm-ups. He has been practicing Practiced with the team. Just a little team, bit so, last week. Yeah, so this week. I, I do. I feel pretty good that, that Tennessee is going to have their center back. And that was actually one of the things that Billy Napier talked about during his Monday morning press conference when talking about this game. Now, obviously, he didn't entirely know the status, but he did talk about and, and specifically point out Cooper Mays is a really important piece in this offensive line. Uh, Josh Heupel talked, uh, talked about it a little bit today as well, but just from a communication standpoint, from a veteran standpoint, from an experience standpoint, this is a guy who, who is going to be really valuable for Tennessee once they get him back, and seems like that's going to be this Saturday in the Swamp. Yeah, I, I, I think, funny enough, from the conversation, I, I think Billy Napier used a word that he expects. <laughs> to, <laughs> Cooper made to us, full uh, circle. Yeah, so... Um, I even had the thought to myself this morning or after Hypo's press conference when I was writing about what he said about Mays that, man, we just need we just need whoever Tennessee's playing each week. We need that coach to correctly predict whether so-and-so injured player for Tennessee will play. Maybe we'll get a, a more definitive Josh Heupel uh, answer than uh, every week because, uh, like you kind of said in the lead-in, not that he just went out and said anything crazy, but even anticipates him playing was uh, yeah. a little... A little more information than Hypo typically uh, gives off in a situation like this. Normally we get a good old, we'll see where he's at Friday. We'll see where he's at on Friday. That's exactly right, Jack. That is exactly right. Gentlemen, with that out of the way, any other kind of uh, week, weekly, the the last week in Tennessee football, any, any kind of storylines that have stuck out to you guys? Uh, I think that pretty much covers it for me, the, the kind of the status update. But any other things that have been floating around that you guys have seen? Not really since, you know, just the Austin P game. I don't think anything new has popped up for me. Of course, the Cooper Mays, keeping tabs on that. But outside of that, pretty straightforward. Yeah, I mean, the team meeting, I think, was or the players-only meeting, I think, was a big talking point, at least for fans earlier this week. But I don't put a whole lot of stock into that. I don't think that's a very big deal. So, uh, you know, I don't feel like we need to spend a lot of time talking about it or anything. Yeah, I agree. I, I did think that was a story, and I think we, we heard it reported on Monday, and then Amari Thomas confirmed it on Tuesday. And just real quick on the players thing, one thing that I thought about when he was talking about it to the press conference, I don't even know if he anticipated getting this question at all, so maybe a little bit was a little bit of a surprise for him. But there was one question that was asked him afterwards, and they basically said, hey, look, when fans or when listeners or when viewers, when they hear something like players-only meeting, they typically think about it in a negative way, as in mm -hmm. it's trying to, like it's trying to, to fix an emergency. Yeah. It's a come-to-Jesus moment. 
So he basically asked that to Mari Thomas and basically said, hey, look, a lot of people maybe think of it in this way, but it doesn't sound like it's that way for your team. And he said, you know, no, it's not really an emergency kind of way. It's just the leadership council felt like, hey, we can play better. We've been practicing better to what we put out on the field on Saturday. So I think that, you know, it was more of a come together, let's get focused, let's let's realize that we don't need to make any kind of crazy changes this week. Let's just get back to our preparation, do what we need to do, and then move business forward. So to me, like you said, I didn't take much out of it. Yeah, almost just like, a, all right, let's talk about the Austin P game. Let's acknowledge that it wasn't what we want it to be, that we need to be better, and then let's, let's flush it and move on. That's kind of how I took it. And I feel like these things happen, like, maybe not all the time in other industries, but, you know, it, let, like the three of us, right? If we're covering a game, we don't always need to go to our Rocky Top Insider, you know, superiors to discuss things or, or to discuss performances or how we felt like we did. Sometimes it's just like, hey, let's come together as the three of us real quick. Let's talk about some things. Let's get back on the same page and then let's move forward. And so right. obviously that's a really small example. But to me, that was kind of the vibe of this players meeting that I got. So that's a good that's a I'm glad you brought that up, Ryan. Let's move forward to Saturday. Let's do it. Saturday night, under the light, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, number 11, Tennessee, 2-0 on the season. We'll take on Florida, 1-1 on the season so far. Florida lost to Utah, 24-11 in the season opener. Then they came back home, defeated McNeese State in the home opener, 49-7. Tennessee, on the other hand, as we know, took down UVA in the season opener in Nashville, 49-13. Then came back for the home opener last weekend, defeated Austin P 30-13. ESPN's matchup predictor and football power index gives Tennessee a 50 4.1 chance to win. If you go down to the line, though, it's been a little bit of an interesting story. Now, I'm seeing right here 6.5, but 6.5 in Tennessee's favor. But you're telling me that it's kind of been shifting a little bit this week. Yeah, it's been shifting a little bit this week. It's I'll, I'll go ahead and give the full uh, scope because it's really more than this week. This was one of, you know, a number of Tennessee lines. Not every Tennessee line, but a lot of Tennessee lines had a preseason That's line right. out okay. uh, over to summer. Tennessee then was about 7.5-point favorites. After Florida lost to Utah in its season opener, it, that line moved to Tennessee being nine and a half point favorites. Uh, and then kind of in your traditional Sunday when these game lines typically come out for the week, uh, you know, opens is usually the word uh, I use in the stories. I guess that technically wasn't true in this case because the line had already been open, at least on some sports books. But on Sunday, uh, after Tennessee played poorly against Austin P, that line was just four and a half points, or maybe even four points. Uh, and then now, as you just said, back to six and a half, moving back in Tennessee's Tennessee's direction as we get closer and closer to kickoff. Certainly does. It's been a little bit of an interesting ride. Guys, let's start broad and then kind of work our way inwards Whoever wants to start can, is more than welcome to go ahead and take the microphone. But just what are some of the general thoughts going into this game? Maybe what Tennessee is thinking about heading into this game. Maybe what Florida's thinking about heading into this game. Just uh, an overall thought to get us into a certain direction. Yeah, I'm curious to see if Florida sells out on stopping the run. Because, you know, just I feel like they were pretty good at that against Utah. And, and obviously they trounced McNeese State last week. And their defensive line uh, cut highlights for that game. And it, you know... They impose their will on the defensive line. But I'm just curious to see how much you know, Florida will try to stop Tennessee's run game and how much Tennessee's going to run the ball because this is going to be their first true test uh, in Tennessee's first true test. So how much are they going to keep it conservative and run the ball, and are they going to take those deep shots? Yeah, I think both teams' running game is going to be a, a, absolutely a storyline. Right. What do you think about that? To me, that's the big—you know—that's the biggest storyline of the game is whoever runs the ball better will probably win this one. You have two quarterbacks— that certainly there's some questions about. Uh, Graham Mertz obviously has been pretty limited in his career. Not that he's been bad, but he, you know, he hasn't been great in his first two games at Florida. And obviously, Joe Milton was 
was far from sharp last week uh, against Austin P. So two offenses who I would say on both teams, the best playmaker uh, on both offenses is the, is a running back Jalen Wright for Tennessee. And then obviously Florida's got that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah Florida's yeah. got two that are really good. I would probably uh, side with ETN. Maybe that's just a name bias for me. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> I think he runs harder, but Montreal may be a little more shifty out. Yeah. And, and you know, part of it, ETN was a lot better in the game in Knoxville last year uh, than yeah. Montreal was too, which probably factors into my, my thought process a lot too. So uh, yeah, to me, it really comes down to that. And Jack's right. How much does Florida sell out to stop it? Because Tennessee's seen nothing but two high safety uh, all in their first two games. They start bringing more guys down in the box that will open up some things down the field for the, some of those shots that in his career, Joe Milton has been, you know, kind of at least last year, he was a lot better in those throws to me than he was, at least with consistency in the intermediate. And also, does Tennessee double Ricky Pearsall and just say, hey, if you beat us with someone else, fine. Because I, when you look at Florida's offensive weapons outside of the running backs in the passing game, nothing scares me at all outside of Pearsall. So that's going to be the guy they're going to have to focus on. If they can limit him and do well at stopping the run, it's going to be tough for the Gators to score points. Yeah, I think so too. That's one of the things that I was thinking about going into this game is just if Tennessee can really do a good job and if they can commit to making Florida one-dimensional, I think that that really sets you up in a good position moving forward. I think if you can really take away that run game and say, hey, look, we want you to beat us through the pass, maybe something that you're less comfortable with, yeah. I think that's a way that Tennessee can can uh, establish themselves a little bit just at least on the defensive side, try to make Florida as one-dimensional as possible. It's going to be interesting to see what Florida tries to do as Tennessee in that direction as well, but that would at least be my thought. Try to get them to pass the ball, try to get them into uncomfortable situations, and not just get in a position where, hey, they're building up a little bit of momentum, just handing the handing the ball off to those two running backs, and they're just starting to pack, uh, pile up yards. Excuse me. Certainly Tennessee hasn't done it well this season, but I, I still think they're better, or they have more big play threat. You know, Florida's offense doesn't have... Ricky Pearsall's a good player. He's not like a, a big-time deep right. threat receiver. Graham Mertz, I'd say that's probably the biggest knock on him, is that his arm strength and his ability to throw the ball down the field is not very good. So going into a game where I feel like Tennessee's defensive line is, at least from a run game standpoint, going to have the advantage or can control the line of scrimmage, You know Tennessee not busting. You know We talk about it all the time. That is... Something that they uh, really lean on defensively. They start all those seniors in the second. They start all those seniors in the secondary to try to avoid giving up the big play. And Tennessee overall has been good at that. They had a couple uh, of those last week uh, against Austin P. So Tennessee just uh, avoiding that, I think, is going to be important. And if they can do that, and you make Florida drive the football 60, 70, 80 yards down the field on you consistently, I have a hard time thinking it's not going to be a good a good afternoon for Tennessee's defense well, or that, that night. Fair. That leads me into another thought. And all right, so if we know that Florida is probably going to be wanting to utilize that rushing game as much as they possibly can, mm -hmm. sets up Tennessee's linebackers for a big game coming up this Saturday. Going back to last week, though, one of Tennessee's starting linebackers, one of the more experienced and veteran players that they have on the defensive side of the ball, he goes out. Now, Elijah, uh, I keep wanting to say Simmons. It's not <laughs> Simmons. Simmons is out. Elijah Herring was the one who replaced him, and we we expected that to happen. We talked about it on the podcast. I guess that was maybe even uh, that was just a week ago or so. Talked about it on the podcast. Elijah Herring fills in, but there was plenty of rotation. And then obviously, it wasn't Tennessee's defense that was having trouble in that game, so they got into the rotations a lot earlier in the game than the offense did, if even at all on that side of the ball. So, what do you think about just where Tennessee's linebackers are for this game? Do have you seen enough from them to feel pretty good about how they can handle that run game? I know it's not just on the linebackers, but I think we all feel pretty good about the defensive line. It's, it's maybe that that middle spot with the injury that I'm curious about. I think so. 
And Aaron Beasley goes goes a long way, and that he's just yes, been he does. he's just been so good through two games, and obviously was good all last season. Finished last season really strong. That any deficiencies Tennessee will have at their second linebacker spot, which you know we don't know at this point, they haven't truly been tested. Uh, I, I feel relatively confident he can figure out. And I think generally speaking, with these young linebackers. They're typically pretty good, you know, playing the run, you know, see ball, hit ball, gap assignment, like that type of stuff. Typically, young linebackers, when they're talented and they can see the fielder, that's one of the first things they get in. It's kind of the pass coverage in the zone that sometimes can take a, a little bit longer. So I would say I feel solid, not great. And I will say this is the type of game I think Keenan Peely would have kind of been perfect in. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. I, I'm not, like I've said multiple times, I'm not concerned about Tennessee's linebacker core because of Aaron Beasley and how well he's playing. And, you know, Elijah Herring, a lot of people will think to the times he got trucked against Austin P. but I actually thought he <laughs> played a pretty fine game. Like, I didn't come away thinking, oh, Elijah Herring was not good today. I thought he was fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and then their depth, you know, Jeremiah T. Lander played well. We'll see if he gets any run against Florida, but maybe we see some more. Arian Carter and Caleb Perry, but I, I'm fine with Tennessee's linebacker unit. I don't worry about that. I would say that's probably what I'm more interested in is who, what's the rotation that, look like those behind those guys? Yeah, behind yeah. those How guys. How much does Herring play even more or? Right. Yeah. I would think this is a game if it's competitive. Aaron Beasley's probably playing about every snap. Oh, but yeah. how much do they have? How much comfort level do they have in those? You know, I guess Perry's a sophomore, but in the, Perry and the two freshmen to play it all uh, and take snaps away from Herring, and then if they do, which guy is it that they have the confidence? And I think we all would have said Arian Carter before the season, and yeah. he's still gotten the third most, well, behind those two guys, not counting Peely, the third most reps. Behind uh, Perry, yeah. No, behind... Behind Carter and Beasley. Oh, you're saying Carter, yeah. Yeah, Carter has gotten the most behind Beasley and Herring. Yes, but he I, honestly, I think he's looked worse than both Perry and T. Lander. So I'm curious to see who they turn to, and just because it's a big game and they're not, I don't see them taking Aaron Beasley out of the game at least much. There's probably not going to be a ton of snaps for multiple of those three, the two freshmen and, and Perry to get. Just kind of hit me that there's a a Perry and a Peely in the linebacker yeah. unit. I feel like I've written those in the same sentence on on several different occasions, but it just kind of hit me how how close they actually are, Perry and a Peely. You also have uh, a Caleb and a Caleb yeah. on the defense, spelled <laughs> differently. Uh, and not Caleb Herring and... Uh, Caleb Perry. Yeah, right. and Ka- Herring's spelled traditionally. And then you got the commit, Caleb Beasley, who is... is who is another... Spelled K- different from K- all three. K-E. And Caleb Webb is spelled with K. Yeah, that's the third He's one. also K-E. And there's two... Caleb Perry's a strange one, as K-A-L-I-B. Yeah. Yes. My favorite, actually, is... The two you have two Tyree W's on the defensive line, Tyree West and Tyree Weathersby, and they both spell Tyree differently. Two yes, E's for do. Weathersby and one E yeah. for West. There's a lot of a lot of interesting names, a lot of good names on this Tennessee football roster. One of the things that I was thinking about, and I'm not I'm not even sure if we did in this podcast here, but one of the things I'm thinking about for Tennessee's offense coming up against Florida is. You want to see them have a, a better start earlier on. I think that's one of the things that have obviously been talked about oh, yeah. since the beginning of the season, right? Even going back to the Virginia game, Tennessee's offense did find their stride a little bit more, but there were even questions about, you know, hey, it took them a little bit to get in rhythm, right? Maybe it's just the first game of the season, new environment, new turf, things like that. But then it carried forward into the Austin P game as well, right? You had a, a slower start. 
there wasn't as much synchronization. There wasn't much in rhythm. Something that I really want to see is for Tennessee to be able to get to that good start because, I look, we all know football. If you get to a good start, you put the opposing offense in a position where they might need to throw the ball a little bit more in order to keep up. You go back to Tennessee's last two games, Austin P and Virginia, and again, I know that Austin P was way closer than it should have been at a lot of points in those games, but you really those teams really needed to throw the ball to catch back up with Tennessee. That's one of the areas that I, I think about for this game. We, we know that the running back is, the running game is going to be important for both sides, but if Tennessee can maybe get Florida in a position where they can't spend so much time chewing up clock, they need to start throwing the ball a little bit downfield, mm-hmm. I think that plays in Tennessee's favor. But obviously, we know that that's just an idea. Starting out hot seems to be a little bit easier said than done right now. I'm really interested to see what it happens when I mean it's 7:05 p.m. under the lights in Gainesville. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a big environment. That's one of the big question marks I have for this game. Yeah, we've been waiting for that to happen. You hit the nail on the head. Just Tennessee is a team that has started fast under Heupel time and time again. I mean, wasn't it the first year of? the Josh Heupel era, I think they were the best first quarter offense in the yeah. country, and they finished 7-5. and five. So that's how good they were at starting yeah. really hot, and we haven't seen that this year at all. So I don't have confidence that they will, you know, just because we haven't seen it against lesser competition. Are they going to do it against Florida? But I think they're certainly capable. Yeah, no, I think it's a good point just because I don't think either of these teams – at least in their current form, where they're at right now, are really built to play from behind and, yeah. and to have to pass yep. the ball a lot. And, and I don't think either will want to do that. Yeah, and in my conversation uh, with David Waters from Gators Breakdown, I had the interview well. up uh, up on the site. He had a really good uh, stat that, obviously, it's just been 15 games in the Billy Napier area, era, but Florida has not won a game where they attempted 30 passes. Uh, 0-5 uh, in Billy Napier's tenure when they've had to. The most... The most passes they've had in a win, they threw 28 last season against Texas A&M. So that's kind of maybe a number you want to look at, but uh, kind of just highlights the point you were making that this is a game neither team uh, is necessarily built to play from behind. By the way, I kid. That's a fantastic yeah, breakdown. How do you guy. feel about that? How do you feel about how good of a, a good of a it's stat a fantastic, that was? So it's a that great stat. It's a great stat. It's a great breakdown. You can go and find <laughs> it over on RockTubInsider.com. I'm just saying, you know, you're you're dealing with the whales over here, right? The big the big guests on the RTI site. Jack and I haven't gotten to do that yet, so so that was more to you. That whoa, that was more to you and not him, David Waters. Yeah, so some who again some has respect. a fantastic breakdown on the RTI site. I'm not talking myself out of a hole here. I know exactly what I've been saying this whole time. Don't give me any kind of look. Don't give me any kind. I know what I've been saying. It's funny. What else do you guys want to say about Florida? Yeah, I think uh, Jack really brings up kind of on the opposite side of, you know, what we've seen Florida's, or really the point I was going to make, what Florida's defensive line is going to get against Tennessee's offensive line. We haven't seen Tennessee's offensive line really face a real test this year. They'll have Cooper Mays back. Tennessee, or Florida's defensive line, while it's good, while it has more depth on it, it kind of has similar issues that we wondered about Tennessee coming into this year, and I would say you still kind of have them. Of Do they have a guy? Do they have a dude uh, that's r- a real difference maker? So what do we see from Florida's defensive line? It was good, not great against Utah. And I, I think Florida's defense as a whole, it's just kind of hard to judge at this point. They played good in that Utah game, but Utah was playing their third and fourth string quarterback, and they got a lead in the first half and played extremely, extremely vanilla after that. So to me, that might be the biggest question mark or the biggest kind of at least unknown to me going into this game is what Florida's defense looks like and I think particularly Florida's defense line when you talk about uh, Tennessee's offensive line that has a lot of new faces getting its first big test of the season 
Let me ask you guys a question. Please. What grade would you say Tennessee what, – what grade would you give Tennessee's performance against Virginia? That was their blank grade game. Against Virginia? Yeah. Oh, it's hard to say because we've seen two games. Like so it's B hard to plus? know what this team – B, B plus is B where plus is the, and then is the first B, thing say I was thinking. And then like a D? D, D, D plus. D, D yeah. plus? Sure. I, as I said, I think – if they play just a notch below the way they did against Virginia. So a B-minus game, let's say that. Yeah. And Florida does not play their A-plus game. Tennessee wins. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I think it's 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 a strange one to predict because I'm not super confident on what I'm going to see from either team, right? It's like yep. kind of to your point, it's, okay, well, if Tennessee can do this pretty well, then they should be able to to ride the defense to victory. Then you look on the other side of, well, if Florida does this pretty well, or if they do this great, then now they've put themselves in a position to be yeah. competitive in the second half. Now the crowd starts to get involved as well. Maybe things could take a turn that way. So I, I think, to me, like I, I, I am picking Tennessee to win this game, but in some kind of ways, at least in my mind, like it, I almost want to flip-flop. I almost want to think about different avenues, but I'm not. But it, for those reasons, I think it's a... It's not just a cut-and-dry game. Here's what I'll say. If Florida's gashing Tennessee on the ground, it's going to be trouble. Like, uh, I'm going to f- sure be afraid that Tennessee's going to lose the game. But I just can't see that happening. Tennessee's rush to was really good last year, and I think it's looked good so far this year. So just with the players they have on defense, I have a hard time believing that Florida's just going to impose their will on the ground, which is the way they're going to win. I'm not, like I said, not scared at all with their offensive weapons in the passing game. Maybe Mertz can beat him with his wheels a couple of times, but he's not necessarily a running quarterback, but he can get it done. He's like Stetson Bennett, I guess. You know, he can do it. So if they can limit that too, I think they'll be in good shape. But, I mean, I honestly think this game could be a field goal fest and Tennessee just get out of there with a 20-10 to win or something. Yeah, I mean, I I am with you that, like, I just don't see the path to to Florida winning, like, lopsidedly, just because... Well, you yeah. said they're so reliant on their run game, and Tennessee's and, run defense has been so good. And uh, barring any just major special teams errors, Tennessee doesn't really turn the football over. I mean, Joe Milton's never thrown an interception in a Tennessee uniform. And he got close in week one, but yes, yes, I agree. he did. But if Tennessee doesn't turn the ball over, also it's going to be tough for Florida to score. Yeah, I think that's a huge one. And obviously, you don't look at the interception; you don't worry about that as much. I do worry a bit about like a strip sack in, in this type of game, just because. It is Tennessee's kind of first test for the offensive line, and they're going to see a better pass rush than they've seen the first two weeks. And that Joe Milton interior clock, I leak, you know, I think it hasn't been a problem through two weeks. I've, obviously, as I just said, they haven't faced a great pass rush, uh, but that's still a question that's out there about him. So you're right. I, I think that's super important. And uh, another guy that I'll highlight is D. Williams. In a game like this where we're talking about yeah. the possibility of it being very low scoring uh, and just offense being at a premium, in a game that we feel like there's probably going to be a lot of punts both both ways. Can D. Williams, you know, if not steal Tennessee a touchdown at any point? I mean, if D. Williams houses a, houses a punt, I think Bang. Tennessee's going to win. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But can he steal 20, 30 yards of field position two or three times in the game? I think that can make a, a huge, huge impact. And I don't know if we've ever seen Tennessee do this, but I think it could be very much be a reality for last week is that they simply just looked ahead. They just went sure. through the motions of us, where they were all focused on Florida, 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 hammering Florida, all Austin P week. And then that's what happens. I mean, we, we saw it so much last week with Baylor losing to Texas State and then almost beating Utah, a much better team than them. I mean, Texas Tech losing to Wyoming and then almost beating Oregon. Yeah, it, The look-aheads, it, it happens in college football a lot. And I certainly think Tennessee looked ahead 
And it would not surprise me at all if Tennessee just goes down to Gainesville and punches them in the mouth and wins handedly. Yeah, it's, it's so much of it. You know, just whole conversation I've just thought about this. It's just so early in the season, you just don't know what these teams are. Like, we've seen them play. Yeah. But you don't know what they are. That's why you have so many week one overreactions in college football and NFL, both that just are not representative of what's going to happen the rest of the season. And in both these teams... Are you telling uh, me the Cowboys are not going to the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, I just saw their nine-and-a-half-point favorites over the Jets, which tells me Las Vegas likes them a lot. I was surprised that number was so high, even uh-huh. without Aaron Rodgers. Well, I like them well, a lot, too. As bad as Dak is, I don't think he's absolutely Relax. selling the entire Relax. game to allow the Jets to win. Chill. Go ahead. So it's just hard to know. And I think Jack makes a good point. We, all week... Uh, Everybody, and rightfully so, feels worse about Tennessee than they did after the Virginia game, after they did after the season, or entering the season. Right. And that's completely fair. But to Jack's point, like what Tennessee did last week could just not be what Tennessee is. Tennessee could come out and be a lot more crisp, be a lot more efficient, and look, while not perfect, not like last year's offense, could look like a pretty good offensive team. And if they do that, it's just having a hard time seeing Florida truly win this game. You know, one of the things that, that has certainly been a topic of conversation this week, and, and Really, one of the old cliches around sports is when these two teams meet up, throw the record books out. I don't know why. Every time I hear that <laughs> phrase, this is so weird. The the matchup I think about is Iowa-Iowa State. Really? I don't know why. Wait, throw the record books out. Just boom. Why? That's the one. I think it's just because of the fact they both have traditionally run such boring offenses. It's really easy to pull off applicable statement. It's really easy to pull off an upset in that game, and maybe there's been like a couple upsets like when I was younger, and it's just seared into my mind. Yeah. I don't know. That was really weird, but I, I thought I'd share. Here's the thing. That's a cliche. If you ask Josh Heupel, I'm not sure he can throw the record book out because I'm not sure if he even knows where it is. This is a coaching staff that does not care about 2003 and beyond. This is a coaching staff that doesn't even care about the win last year. It's a coaching staff that seemingly doesn't even care about the win last week, right? This is all about the the next play, the next game, the next week, the next day, looking forward to what's on the horizon. So that's been a big topic of conversation. Obviously, I, I think for the for the fans, for the people who are watching this game, for the people who are invested and have been for 20-plus years, yeah, like that's a that's a notable storyline. Tennessee has not won in Gainesville since what two thousand three? I mean, twenty years. Three of us were were tiny, were tiny little fellas at that yeah. time. I was tots, tots. <laughs> I think I uh, I wrote it in my Florida preview before the season started, and um, yeah, I remember, you did, I remember yeah, someone. I, remember, I remember someone like screenshotted it and put it on Twitter that I made them feel so old. But I believe the number was I wasn't eighteen months old yet, so. <laughs> I'm gonna or say 14 so, months, tot. something like that. You're a Scott tot. Yeah. Uh, do you do you want to go ahead? And, I have I have something I'm going to say somewhat controversial about the game. But if you want to have your wrap up thought first, I think you were working on that before I said tots and made you laugh. Josh Heibel doesn't know where the record book is. Yeah. <laughs> Josh Heibel's not worried about the streak. <laughs> he doesn't care. Tennessee's not worried about it. Tennessee has players who don't <laughs> even know about it. It's like it, the so. saying, they, "Blank doesn't care about your fantasy team." Josh yeah. Heibel doesn't care <laughs> about his team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's funny when you phrase it that what way. What do we care about the league? <laughs> All right, here's my take that might be controversial. Um, we talked about last year, one of the most encouraging things about Tennessee's really good season is just the second year coaching. I can't believe you would say that. <laughs> oh, that wasn't the controversial no, that part? that wasn't the controversial okay, sorry, part. Go ahead. Sorry. The second year coaching history. Kirby Smart, breakout second season. Nick Saban, breakout second season. Urban Meyer won a national championship in a second season. Like, you figure out, if you're an elite coach, you figure out you have an elite coach in the second season. Hmm. So going off of that judging, 
that Josh Heupel is an elite coach and is going to perennial have, perennially have Tennessee in the college football playoff contention, is going to win a national championship or at least come awful close, play for one at Tennessee. If Josh Heupel's that guy, Tennessee wins Saturday. Yeah. No, that's totally right. Like if he's that guy, yeah, it yeah. doesn't mean he it doesn't mean he should. Obviously, it doesn't mean he should get fired if they lose. That would be ludicrous. I don't even think the craziest of Tennessee fans are saying that. It doesn't even mean he can't be a good, successful coach at Tennessee and have a ton of success and be at Tennessee a decade and everyone love him and kumbaya. That doesn't mean all that. But if he's that guy, if he's a guy that's going to win a national championship, if he's a guy that's going to have Tennessee competing at the top of the SEC, this new look SEC year in and year out. You're a coach of a team. You win a game like this. On yeah, I think you have average to good coaches out there who could win this game. Maybe, obviously, probably wouldn't. Maybe might flip-flop a little bit, but I think you're right. To be in that next level of coaching tier, to be at that elite stage, this is a game where you say, hey, look, that's a daunting place. That place is hard to play, but this is a Tennessee team, or, or this is just a team in general that is going to be well-prepared enough and will be able to execute on the field. They'll be able to win this game. So I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And when you look at this game... You know what? What I think if you ask any Tennessee fan or anybody that follows this team, Tennessee loses this game. Why? Like they play bad and they lose. Why? It's because Joe Milton doesn't play well. I think sure. everybody would say that. Sure. Josh Heibel's an offense guru. He's a quarterbacks coach. Doesn't mean He's that Joe. That doesn't mean that if Joe Milton plays, you know, doesn't play great that or doesn't play great all season that Heibel's a bad coach. Obviously, it doesn't mean that. But it does mean you need to find a way to scheme around it and mm-hmm. get some easy throws from Milton and do some things that make his life easier. And you can do that in college football. I mean, it's a lot harder sure. to do in the NFL with some of the rules. In college football, with the way they spread it out, like it's, it can be a lot easier to make things easier on your quarterback. So I think when you put all those things together, this is just a game. Even if it's not perfect, even if it's ugly, it's a game that Tennessee needs to win and Tennessee will win if Josh Heupel is the guy that I think most of us at least think he is. I guess to me, you know, jury's still out on that thing about him winning a national championship in Tennessee and all that. But if he's a high-level college football coach, top 10 college football coach, like I think he is, this is a game Tennessee wins. Well, I agree. Uh, we talked about it preseason. You know, we're always ranking the games on Tennessee schedule. Which ones are most difficult? When it came to, I think it was unanimous answer, when it came to the most important game, the most important game for Tennessee to win this season, it is this. And it history plays a big part in that, you know. Is Tennessee going to have the coach who can win in Gainesville? Because it hasn't happened in 20 years. So the, Josh Heupel needs to be that guy that can go in Gainesville and win and get over that hump. Yeah, and I think a lot of it, you know, like with Alabama, we talked about the streak of Alabama last year. You know, however, was it 14 in a row, 15 in a row Tennessee had lost yeah, to Alabama? 15, you know, Alabama was a lot better than Tennessee those 15 years. Mm-hmm. A lot better than them. Yep. Tennessee, and even you go past the streak, because Tennessee won in 2001, 2003. They didn't win in Gainesville once in the sense from 92 when the SEC went to divisions and they played there every two years to 2001. And yeah. even you look at the Butch Jones era and you know, when Will Muschamp or Jim McElwain or Dan Mullen, there have been some two years ago, 2021, Heupel's first year. We didn't know it at the time. That turned out to be an incredibly pedestrian Florida team that Tennessee was very capable of yeah. beating. Yeah, I, th- I think, I mean, just in that, case i think it's a little different because florida started so hot and then they just absolutely fell apart because they almost beat alabama they almost beat alabama tennessee was what week four yeah into september yeah you're right and it it didn't have that vibe at the time and you know you can even i'm not trying to kill hypo for not winning that game or anything now and Jimmy Callaway was never seen from again after he, <laughs> after he dropped that fourth down pass. It would have been a touchdown and very likely would have made it a game. Yeah, in the and that was also Hinden's like first true SEC game. First true start, really, because he didn't start the pit game. And well, then, for Tennessee, yes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah. that's what I meant. Yeah, because yeah. he had Virginia Tech starts, right? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So I've lost my train of thought on this. Oh yeah, no, I was just gonna say was that you know while with the Alabama situation it was a streak and it was like well this is a streak because Alabama's been so much better than Tennessee. Tennessee's woes against Florida and particularly for this instance their woes in Gainesville have not been always been because Florida is so much better than Tennessee. It's just been a lot of Tennessee not playing well in, in big games down there. If you want to go back to the 90s before I was born, people listening probably know more about those games than I do uh, or even in, in recent history. I mean, Butch Jones found improbable ways to lose there in 15 and 17. So uh, I do, while I don't think this is the massive storyline or the, you know, I kind of wrote about it this morning. So tease, go look at it. It's not the storyline I would talk about this game. It, it does, the losing streak does feel like more of a storyline than it oftentimes can in these types of situations. Yeah, I think that's a good thought right there. And then, like Ryan said, if you want to go and check out that work or any of the other work that we're doing over on Rocky Top Insider, you can go over to rockytopinsider.com. If you go over to the website, you can find a preview. And by the time you're listening to this, it's absolutely going to be up and uploaded. But you can find a preview from one of the great contributors to Rocky Top Insider. His name is Matt Reed. Every single week for the last two seasons, he is we've put out and, and he's authored a really extensive in-depth preview for each game, whether it's a big opponent or whether it's a small opponent. But one of my favorite parts of his previews are the fun fact section because he totally takes it away from football. He totally just goes with something about that university. And I just want to take a second to read this. And hopefully, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but hopefully this is going to point people in the direction of going to find this piece because every single week it really is phenomenal. But I, I, I just I couldn't help. I, I could not stop laughing at the fun fact uh, that, that he put out. So what do you say we end this? We kind of wrap up this podcast. A little bit of fun. We, we, we break down this fun fact section from Matt Reed's piece over on RTI.com. Yeah, let's do it. Quote. Well, not necessarily a quote. This is what he's saying. This is what he wrote. Does anybody remember Ryan Lochte? Oh, I was was so swimmer? confident it was going to be Ryan Lochte. Oh, is that yeah. the summer? Oh, yeah. 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 I have, I, if this isn't what I think it's going to be, because I haven't read Matt's preview yet this week, I have a Ryan Lochte joke I was already planning on making. Lochte was arguably the second best American male swimmer during the prime Michael Phelps era. Lochte won multiple Olympic medals in 04, 08, and the 2012 Summer Olympics. He was also a very accomplished collegiate swimmer at Florida. Lochte had a real pop culture moment around 2012 to 2013. Seeing the commercial success of Michael Phelps, Ryan Lochte did his darndest to make himself a C-list celebrity. <laughs> Such a good line. He tried his darndest to get on that C-list. Uh, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Uh, to get on that C-list celebrity. This even included his own reality show on E! Network titled, What Would Ryan Lochte Do? It lasted a total of eight episodes before being canceled. That was not before Lochte tried to invent his own catchphrase. He even trademarked the term, which is just J-E-A-H, his own whimsical play on yeah. That is really good. (laughs) Ryan Lochte certainly had his 15 minutes of fame, and America was very thankful it didn't last any longer. (laughs) This is incredible. All right, we're almost done. The swimmer has twice made headlines since. He was arrested in Brazil for making a false claim of robbery during the 2016 Olympics. Lochte and his company claimed that they were robbed at gunpoint (laughs) 
Turns out it was just some security guards making a false or attempting to stop a drunken Lochte from further vandalizing a gas station bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Let me read that again. Lochte and the company claimed that they were robbed at gunpoint. Turns out it was just security guards attempting to make a, uh, t- attempting to stop a drunken Lochte from further vandalizing a gas station bathroom. In 2018, the USDA suspended Lochte for 14 months due to an alleged, alleged violation on its anti-doping policy. So what would Ryan Lochte do? Turns out the answer is a whole bunch of stupid stuff. Hell yeah! I that mean, is that a great is, finish. Yeah, no, that is expertly written from top to bottom. That's amazing. That, that, that was perfect, and Hell it was yeah. it was de- yeah. just about everything I know about Ryan Lochte, which <laughs> is genuinely one of the dumbest people in this country. Not sure how he got into the University of Florida. That's very pre- you know, I mean, prestigious, good. but a good school. Swam good. I got another. <laughs> Swam good. I have another great Ryan Lochte story, and to me, still the Ryan Lochte story that stands out in the midst of his 15 minutes of fame. I don't know, around this time, maybe between 2012 and 2016, he was the guest picker on College Game Day when they were in Gainesville. Really? Can't remember okay. Can't remember the game, but he was okay. the guest picker, in which he infamously picked the Tigers to win an SEC matchup between <laughs> LSU and Auburn. <laughs> Auburn, LSU, what do you got, Ryan? Was I'm he, going with the Tigers. Was he doing it to be? No, he had no idea. Come on, you're giving him way too much credit. Okay. You just read all of that and thought he was doing that <laughs> sarcastically. He tried to catch phrase... <laughs> Trying to make his own catchphrase. Yeah. Uh, here's an article from SB Nation from 2012. That time Ryan Lochte picked Auburn to win. An, uh, oh, wait, this is a different one, actually. Maybe I'm misremembering this one. Well, this one says... He picked Auburn to win the LSU A&M game? <laughs> oh, did he do that? Yes. Maybe he did yes, that. Maybe that I'm just it. thinking of it, it wrong. Says, well, maybe it happened twice. I don't know. But it says you can't rule it out with him. Ryan Lochte has some has supreme confidence in Auburn today. He's sure he's sure he's sure the Tigers are going to snap that SEC losing streak and finally get a win, and doesn't care who knows it. He's so confident that when asked who, who he'd pick in a matchup between Texas A&M and LSU, he calmly answered. Auburn on college game day. <laughs> Maybe that's what I was thinking of. This guy Either is, way, fantastic. This guy is a dunce. I'm I would I'm gonna leave this studio here today, Ryan, believing that both instant instances happened. I'm gonna okay. believe that he picked Auburn. I'm gonna also believe thing. that he picked the Tigers. Because maybe they brought him back to see what else dumb television he could he could create. Yeah. Gentlemen, any other kind of final wrap up thoughts on the game today? I won't necessarily ask you for a uh, for a score prediction. We will have that on the Rocky Top Insider website coming up just before the game. That's going to be out tomorrow, which is Friday. But just overall kind of final thoughts on the game. No, I understand why everyone's nervous, but I still think this Florida team is much less talented than Tennessee, and talent will prevail. And if Tennessee plays a good, sound game, they'll win uh, handedly. No final thoughts for me. I'm picking Tennessee, but you'll have to, to wait to see the score. All right. Well, I'm picking Auburn. <laughs> So, with that being said, <laughs> let's Eagle. get out of here. Uh, I'm going to pick Tennessee as well. I don't know what the score's going to be, but luckily, we don't need to know that right now. Uh, otherwise, go with the Tigers. Oh, what's the over-under? Uh, I just clicked out of it. it. I just clicked out of it. Gotta 58 and a half. Whoa. 58 and a half. I like the under. Not. I mean, I'm not going to be predicting 20 to 10. Like like you were saying, I'm not gonna predict that. Yeah. <laughs> I have a hard time seeing it being that low scoring. Uh, but I will I will be predicting something that's the under. It's going to be a blue out in Gainesville. Sold Florida will crowd. be wearing all blue uniforms 
So the only orange really in the whole building is going to be on top of Florida's head with their lids. And the Tennessee fans. It's going to feel like, and the Tennessee fans, the crowd, of course, but you it's going to feel like a Kentucky game to me a little bit. But uh, there's just going to be a lot of blue. It's funny you say that because I've said this to my friends a couple times. That Kentucky game in Gainesville last year, I, I, I think this game could be very similar to that. Yeah, it's twenty six sixteen. A lot of defense, but Kentucky didn't really play a great game either. Where's Anthony Richardson to throw one of the worst pick sixes <laughs> you'll ever see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Tennessee's going to be asking in the fourth quarter if the game's tight. Anthony Richardson is off making the day of the sideline judges for uh, in his NFL games. I don't know if you guys saw that video, but it was pretty good. All right, well, let's get out of here. That's going to wrap us up. Brian, you and I are headed to Gainesville tomorrow. We will we will have Jack in coverage with us the whole entire weekend as well. So make sure you're following us on Twitter. We're going to be covering the game. Uh, on each and every platform we have. If you want to follow Jack Foster, you can do that at Jack Foster Media. If you want to follow Ryan Shumpert, you can do that at rshump00. That's S-C-H-U-M-P. And if you want to follow myself, you can do that at Rick underscore Butler. That is just Rick, R-I-C, like the nature boy himself. But otherwise, make sure you are following Rocky Top Insider on each and every different social media platform. We are on. (gasps) Deep breath. Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. At Rocky Top Insider on each of them, you can visit www.rockytopinsider.com to find out each and every one of our, uh, you can find out all of your Tennessee news notes and coverage over there on the website. But otherwise, man, make sure you're sticking with us, make sure we're sticking with the website, and we will do our best to bring you the absolute best coverage from Gainesville, Florida coming up this weekend when number 11 Tennessee goes to Gainesville to take on Florida in the swamp at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to the RTI Press Pass today. We are so incredibly thankful. And hey, our numbers are on the rise. Our numbers are honestly skyrocketing. I don't know if I can say that, but they are. So we are super thankful. You're saying it. But I'm, I'm saying it. So we're super thankful for everybody listening. We hope to see you back after the game. We hope to see you back next week. We hope to still see you all season long. Thank you for telling a friend. Thank you for leaving a rating. Thank you for leaving a comment. These are all awesome things that only helps us grow as we just want to get you the best Tennessee coverage as possible. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you from Gainesville. This has been the RTI Press Pass with Jack, Ryan, and Rick. We'll see you later.